You're listening to Authentically Me, a podcast dedicated to activating the magic that is within us all through the power of authenticity, sharing, and transmuting with love. Here, you will find real-life experiences shared through the lens of everything is always serving. We are led through this journey by your host, Serena Rose. Serena is a ceremonialist who believes our life is just one big ceremony for our soul. Connect to your soul and enjoy the ceremony. Hello, Authentically Me Beauties. Thank you for joining us again if you are a return listener and as well if you are a new listener. I appreciate you. I am so honored by your presence and it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment and leave a review wherever you are listening from, whether it be iTunes or Spotify. We are on seven platforms and we are so excited to be here right now with you on this one. I am joined today <laughs> by the lovely Bren, who I believe her phone just made a noise. Um, <laughs> she's like, hello, I'm here too. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, so I have a guest today, guys, and her name is Bren. She is a sex, love, and embodiment coach. She helps women amplify their confidence and so that they truly know their desires and can create a life that turns them on, which is so exciting. And it turns me on just reading it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Bren, will you please say hi to the listeners? Hello, I, uh, my iPhone made an entrance before I did. And I swear right before I turned everything off, and sometimes that's just the way that it goes. <laughs> so, um, hi, so nice to be here. Um, I'm really excited to do this interview with you, Serena, and just having known you for, geez, I don't know, six plus months now, and just getting to witness your journey as a coach and so many things that you've taught me in us knowing each other for just a short time, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to hopefully do that with your listeners. So hi, and thank you for having me. Oh, that's really exciting. I would love to hear more about that sometime, but I'm going to mm-hmm. redirect the energy to why you're here, because I have been getting to know you as well over the past six months, and your journey is such an incredible one. It's one that I believe many women can relate to. And Mm. so I'm so excited to have you here and for you to share your magic and wisdom with whoever is ready to receive it, Um, Mm. which part of your journey, a big part of your journey and your message is that you were married and you left your marriage and found yourself. So my question is, how does someone know it's time to transition their relationship. And how did you know it was time for you to leave your marriage? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. And I love, this is how I operate in my life. Like I just love to go right to the heart of the matter. Like let's skip the small talk and let's just get right into the juicy bits. So thank you. Um, I did, I did leave my marriage and I did find myself along that way. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about like what that actually means because finding yourself is such a like um, out there term. And it can be, I imagine even potentially frustrating if you hear that and you think like, well, what? Do you, how will you know once you found yourself and what does that mean to find yourself? And so with a little context, um, I met my previous husband when I was 20. And before that, I would say I've always been in a codependent relationship of some sort. So before my husband, it was with my family. I was raised with a golden spoon in my mouth, for lack of a better phrase, where I never needed to want or yearn for anything. I was always so taken care of, 
past the point of where I actually believe it was helpful and served me because if I didn't want to do a homework assignment, my mom would help me on it. If I didn't want to go to school, I got to stay home. If I was overwhelmed by decisions, my mother would make them for me. And so I learned that when I'm in overwhelm or, or really just in life, somebody's always going to be there to, to make the decisions for me, to guide me. And I didn't learn to trust and understand that inner authority, the wisdom, that inner knowing that I believe all human beings have, but as women, we really have access to in a very special and unique way. And I lost that part along the way. So finding myself was understanding and learning what my truth is and how to access it and how to really listen for it and then how to act from it because I always defaulted what I liked, what I desired, what I wanted in this world to somebody else, to somebody else's authority. And so at first it was my family, then it was with my husband and I was at a Burning Man <laughs> and I remember being inside of a tent with a group of people and it was at the end of the night and there was a lot of sexual energy in the tent and nothing was happening. You could just feel, you know, if you've been around like right before, for example, like a moment where you're gonna be kissing somebody new or you're about to engage in sex with your partner, you can feel the sexual tension and energy building in your body. And mm -hmm. I remember being in this tent next to my husband at the time and nothing was registering inside of my body. I felt no physical connection or desire. And I remember in that moment thinking, ooh, this, this is interesting. This is, this is a red flag. Something is off here because sex, as you may or may not know, is a barometer for the health of a relationship. And sitting in that moment thinking like, I have no desire right now. What does that mean? And that was the beginning of some really intense unpacking of questions about why this relationship? What do I need in this relationship? Where are my needs not being met? And most importantly, like what is my voice and my truth in all of this? And I just kept asking myself those questions and realized how our relationship had really, while it beautiful, so much love, so much connection over the course of our 10 years together, it had really become a platonic relationship. We were a convenient relationship for one another. And we were also feeding each other's wounds. He was taking care of me. I needed to be taken care of. And not from like a kinky, delicious sort of way, but from a very wounded, codependent place. Um, and so for me, I just kept sitting with like, what do I know to be true? And what is it that I desire? And when I looked at my relationship, I saw all of the places in which I wasn't being met and that my needs weren't being met. And I could have in that moment said, okay, we're going to work on this and we're going to continue forward and we're going to try all these different things. And that just wasn't my path. I had a very clear message that it was time to leave and for both of our best interests that it was time to transition the relationship. And I'm so glad that I listened because the two of us have the most beautiful relationship now having separated. And we are both in our power in ways that I don't think we would have ever come to had we stayed in that codependent relationship. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank so, you. Yeah, so just for clarity, yeah. you knew that it was time to leave your marriage um, basically when you discovered that you weren't attracted sexually to your partner and that your needs were not being met. Is that mm -hmm. right? I love the clarity. So the, the lack of sexual attraction wasn't the moment. That was the, that was the first like, Ooh, it's time to take a look at why this is happening. Um, because we can lose attraction to our partners over and over throughout the course of a relationship. So I wouldn't necessarily say that that was it. That was just my key to go, why is this happening? Um, and for us, there was a lot of withheld resentment, withheld communication, um, 
we were, I like to use the phrase living in the gray because we didn't lean into conflict or um, any sort of tension. We kept everything neutral, suppressed. My voice was not very heard in that relationship and he didn't know how to express his needs either. So we really just stayed in this cycle of content, like fine, flat. And I didn't ask a lot of questions until that moment where I just finally said like, ah, enough is enough. Not only am I not feeling attracted to him, I'm finding myself becoming very attracted to other people. And so that was more of just the, the turning point where I got to start asking myself, like, why is this not working for me? But I would say the clear answer was we were, mm, well, I'll say there wasn't necessarily one clear answer in that there were so many things that had culminated in that moment of realizing that we were just two different humans when we had first met that were no longer serving each other's highest and greatest needs. And he wasn't his best self around me. I wasn't my best self around him. We were in a very platonic place and neither one of us had the desire to really go in and work on the relationship. Had we both desired to do that and to continue to grow in love together, I think we'd be in a very different place. But instead we both said, this just doesn't feel good anymore. I can see where we're both not operating from our best selves because we only know how to serve each other in these codependent roles. So I said, I need a break and I need to separate from you to really feel and hear who I am. And the more distance that got created in the relationship, the more clear it became, I was ready to leave the relationship once and for all. Now the distance could have created polarity. We could have come back together stronger than ever, but it didn't. And that's sometimes challenging to know when we leap into the unknown, we don't know how things are gonna end. And I was willing to take that chance knowing my inner truth and building my relationship to myself was worth it. I wanted to know who I was when I wasn't a wife and I wasn't his partner. And in that separation, I learned there's a lot more growth in my path. It's going to look a lot more of me finding who I am without you so that I can come back to a future relationship stronger and more grounded than ever. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. I mean, if you're in a gray space, uh, Burning Man is very colorful. So yes, it is. (laughs) I see a lot being brought to light for a lot of people through such a transformational experience. And I love that that was like a turning point for you personally. Yeah. in a way, you kind of answered the other part to my question, which was how does someone know it's time to transition their relationship? And what I gathered as an answer to that is that both people desire to work together, Mm -hmm. to nurture their relationship, to work on the relationship and to explore things. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's a great, a great Um, like nugget to pull from that is, yeah, it has to be both. And I think I get this question all the time where women will reach out to me and say, how did you know it was time? One, because I think they're looking for permission to leave. And two, because people are just genuinely curious. But if it really was as easy as just a blanket, one size fits all, um, it it would obviously not be as painful or challenging to know that answer. But the real honest truth is that no one will know that except for you. And my best advice would be to keep creating space for you to hear that internal wisdom that will never lead you astray. And there is a difference though between, because we hear lots of things, at least I do. I hear voices all the time. My mind is constantly running and the key is to know what part of you is leading the conversation because there is a difference between your heart telling you what to do or your ego or your wounded inner child, right? There's these different parts that live with inside of all of us, but your heart is never going to lead you astray. And your heart is your hopes and dreams. It's your deepest desires. It's 
pure love. It's the thing that lights you up when you think about it. And for me, being alone lit me up. And I knew that I had made the right decision when it sounds as, as sad as it was, we had, we had driven to Austin together. We were separate in the process of separating. We didn't know what the space was going to leave lead into, but when he left after dropping me off in Austin, I felt this huge wave of relief, this huge sigh of just, oh, it's just me. And now we get to figure out what's next. And that was just so affirming because I knew I'd listened to my heart and my heart wanted to be free and it wanted to be alone and it wanted to know who I was without him. And that moment just gave me such clarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree that most people are number one looking for permission and creating space can be such a beautiful and healthy thing. However, if it's not coming from the right place within, then it could possibly be something that is unhealthy. I know that my partner and I have been implementing taking space together more intentionally and in healthy ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has been so polarizing and serving for our relationship. And so even if you're listening to this and resonating with Bren's story and you're thinking maybe how the fuck do I like do this in a way that feels comfortable for me, um, you can start small. It doesn't have to be necessarily driving to Austin or filing for a separation. Although if you feel drawn to that, maybe you should look closer at it, but um, it can be small and really helpful. Yeah. I love, I love that you just gave such range because I tend to live on the extremes. I tend to, um, for lack of a better phrase, rip the bandaid. Like that's just how I've always lived is I feel the pull I'll jump all in and people don't have to live in those extremes. And there are ways to do this that are really nourishing and soft and easy on the nervous system. And especially if you've come from a very codependent place, going from a deeply codependent relationship to being on your own may be very jarring for your nervous system. And so you can, my, uh, there was a relationship I've had in between, um, leaving my part, my husband and, um, after burning man, I fell in love quite quickly. Um, and we had a really beautiful year and a half relationship that taught me a lot, but one of the things we did, we called them relationship fasts and in our relationship fast, we would take 24 hour breaks from one another where no talking, no texting, no communication. We didn't know what the other one was doing. And then we would break the fast by coming back together, sharing space, um, sharing what came up for us and ultimately feeling so much more excited to be around each other. And that was an example of doing it from a place of health and maintaining the relationship versus where in my previous marriage, it was, I needed to take space because I don't desire to keep working on this relationship. So there's lots of examples of how you can do this. Um, and actually most recently I was listening to Alexis podcast, that sex chick, And she had a guest on and they have what they call a relationship sabbatical. And that is where they take intentional like weeks apart and they're allowed and give themselves permission to do things outside of the relationship where they can be with other partners, have other sexual experiences, and that's okay in their container. And so, like you said, there are all different ranges um, of how this can look. And so, yeah, I so love that you brought it back to that because none of this stuff is a one size fits all. Yes. Thank you for just elaborating on what I shared because that was so beautiful. And those who are listening, I will link Alexa's podcast in the show notes because she is powerful and that episode is very powerful as well. So if you resonate with this, I invite you to hop on over there and check that out as well. Um, So this is all how long ago is this transition happening for you? So I left, it was like two days after my 30th birthday. So, um, this was almost two years ago. 
Awesome. So I read on your website, because um, I like to research my guests, <laughs> um, two years ago, you were disconnected, lost, and pleasureless, which is just such a powerful statement. Mm. Um, what advice would you give someone who feels lost, disconnected, and pleasureless right now? Yeah. Oh, I love how just intentional and thoughtful this podcast episode is. Uh, I love when guests... Uh, get to come on and just have their research done. That's so great. So thank you. Um, thank you. Of course. So when I hear disconnected and pleasureless, I think back to a woman who was so outside of her body and so inside of her head. And that is because that's how I was raised. That's how society rewarded me. I was rewarded for how hard I worked and how much I achieved. And so I spent a vast majority of my life in my mind, trying to manipulate, control, outwork my way to success. And that created a very disconnected person. And my body literally had to scream at me. I had several bouts of chronic illness and pain in my life where my body was so just distraught at how much I had neglected it, abused it, ignored it, that it had to just physically yell at me for me to start paying attention. And it wasn't until I started working with Alexa, a sex coach, that I really got to explore how to come back to the body and how to bring in more pleasure. And so for me, coming back to my body it started honestly with nothing to do with sex. It was learning about how to track sensation because up until that point in my life, I had just ignored all physical, emotional cues. I suppressed a lot. I thought it was weak to show emotion. So if you picture just like a bottle being pressed down all of the stuff, like just jammed further and further down, I was so just... Uh, pent up and, and flat. And I, I, cause again, I, I saw it as weakness. And so coming back to my body and inviting pleasure back in, it was teaching me to just be with what sensations are actually in my body. What are the things that create tinglies and heat and, um, feelings of warmth? What are the things that in my environment create constriction and tightness and closure and just starting to pay attention to that. And then from the sensation, it was giving permission for that energy to move. So inviting emotions to come back into my body because I had just, again, suppressed them for so long. And it took rebuilding safety and really rebuilding this idea that emotions are my superpower that by being able to feel and by being essentially able to be a tuning fork where I'm so sensitive and able to feel and witness so much around me inside of myself and through others, I was really able to start inviting pleasure back in because I'm a firm believer. You can't experience the high highs and the ecstatic states of bliss without also being able to access the low lows and the deep feelings of grief and pain and sadness that we just experience as a human. And so I had to really allow myself to go into the full range, the full roller coaster. And in doing that, I was able to start inviting like, oh, this is what pleasure actually feels like. And from that place, then I could start building a pleasure practice, but it's really hard to build a pleasure practice if you don't even know how to access pleasure inside of your body. So it was first and foremost, feeling my feelings and being able to track them. Wow. I love all of that. Oh my gosh. Um, so beautiful. And I love that you are talking about pleasure practices now because that's where I wanted to take the conversation next because something that I have learned from you over the past six months is how powerful it is to put pleasure first. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I see you preaching and talking about and inviting others to play with. And so I've 
made it my number one priority to put pleasure first and to follow my sensations of pleasure. And it has been such an interesting journey. And mm-hmm. you're right. It doesn't have to be about sex, but it also can be, can, <laughs> can be yeah. about sex. I mean, it's Tuesday. I've had three orgasms in the last 24 hours, which is amazing. Uh, and, um, so yeah. So putting pleasure first, what does that look like for you? Um, hearing you have three orgasms in 24 hours makes me smile so much. And then I thought, wait, I have two. And it just, it's become such a part of my routine that it's like, oh, this is like brushing my teeth now. I invite this all the time. And it's so cool to be around other women doing the same. Um, Agreed. (laughs) Putting pleasure first looks like, so if I actually tie this all back to when I first left my partner, because I was in such a codependent place, I didn't know how to ask myself, Bryn, what do you desire today? And give me that, like give myself that permission to give myself that. And so now it's a practice just like that. It's so simple. What do I desire? What would light me up from the inside out and following that? So it may mean, for example, I make this really delicious ritualistic cup of coffee every morning. And for me, that first sip is pure pleasure. The coffee hitting my tongue, the taste of the cacao that I blend into it, the like salty, sweet combination of the bulletproof um, like MCT and grass-fed butter. And that in itself is a fully pleasurable experience because I sip the coffee, I savor it, I let the like warmth drip down the back of my throat. Like I make it something that is pleasurable. And so that's like an example of a non-sexual way that I indulge in pleasure. And I also create opportunities in my day for a, an embodied sexual pleasurable routine. And so sometimes that may look like I'm reacting to a responsive desire inside of my body because right now, for example, I'm ovulating and my sexual desire feels primal. Like I will just be sitting working on the computer. I'll feel heat building in my genitals. And I'm like, I don't even know where this is coming from other than this surge of hormones I'm experiencing because I'm ovulating and I am excited to go take my vibrator into the bathtub and have playtime. Or there are other days where it does not feel responsive. Um, I'm sorry, it was spontaneous. It doesn't feel spontaneous. It feels like something that I have to actively work on, like a workout where I don't really want to work out, but I know this is going to benefit me on the other side of it. And that may look like I take my crystal wand and I lay in bed with a really slow and sweet soundtrack and I take massage oil and I give myself a breast massage And then I ask my body, are you desiring to be penetrated? Is this something that you would like? Do you want pleasure in this type of way? And sometimes it may be a no, and sometimes it's a yes, but I still create a space where I'm giving my body pleasure, knowing that who I am on the other side of that experience is a woman who is more embodied. She's more calm. She's more pleasurable. Um, And I choose to be that person. And so in order to choose to be that person, I have to create the space for me to indulge in those types of experiences. And that's two to three times a week for me. Is it daily? Absolutely not. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Are there times where I know that all I really need right now is a pleasure practice and I resist everything in me to doing that practice? Yeah, I do that too. But I also know that like anyone, um, it's, it's a practice. That's why we call it a practice is it takes consistent effort and intention to be able to become the person that I'm stepping into, which is a pleasurable embodied woman. So, Mm, yes, thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, another one of my pleasure practices, which is not, 
um, masturbation is dancing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm feeling stagnant or low, I'm just like, whoa, girl, you got to check yourself right now. Check your pleasure, check your vibration, not from like a, a shameful way, but from a way where I know that I deserve to feel good in my body because what else are we doing here if we're not to feel good in our bodies? Mm -hmm. So um, I am more on the side of practicing self-pleasure still, but it has been so fun to journey with. And I do credit a lot of my personal journey to you and your shares and encouragement. So thank you for sharing and thank you for sharing with us today as well. Mm, I love that. And I love that you named dance because dance consistently for me has been, if not the most, one of the most um, profound ways of coming back to the body. And we talked about that earlier of how pleasure it's to come back to the body and dance is such a great way to access that. And I'll preface too, not everything is always going to be pleasurable, right? Like mm-hmm. a, a lot of times pleasure practices and this idea of chasing pleasure can create bypassing. So we want to go straight to the pleasure. We want to not feel what is there and what is present and go straight to the taste of dark chocolate and the feelings of bliss on the other side of an orgasm. And what's really going to help you get access to more of that is by being authentic with what is there first. Mm. And if what is there first is fucking anger and deep rage, then putting on a rage playlist and smashing your fist into a pillow and screaming at the top of your lungs is your gateway to more pleasure. And that's, I think, a really important takeaway from all of this is, yes, you get to have a life filled with so much pleasure. And what are you avoiding that's keeping you from having that? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I, since I've been actively and intentionally on this journey, I observe and see so many people bypassing their pleasure in a variety of ways. And one of the most common ways is not necessarily taking care of their bodies. And I question these things and say, you deserve to feel good. You know, why don't you, why are you not taking your medicine or exercising or whatever the case may be for that person? But it is common in our society to not just bypass our emotions, but to bypass our bodies as well. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And I think the, the truth is, is that it's easier and more comfortable to stay exactly where we are, right? Our, our pain body, our like wounded self wants to stay comfortable and stay in the state of stuckness and whatever it's used to, whatever your homeostasis is, because it takes effort to, to uh, shift and to be, again, like being in a state of pleasure and just blissed out and living in alignment, it's not societal norms. If you look around at how many people are living and operating from that place, most of society is not built for us to be in that state. And so in the beginning, at least, it does take concentrated effort to break those patterns and to shift out of that. And like anything over time, it will become competence, something that you don't have to actively think about. But in the beginning, it does, it takes effort. And I I remember having to like really think about that. And it's funny to say, you know, when we just were talking about the orgasms, I'm like, oh yeah, it did. It's become so embedded that I don't even think about it anymore. (laughs) But it wasn't. You're welcome for this beautiful reminder. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for all of that. Um, Were you complete with that statement? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, So it feels good to jump to faking orgasms and Mm. faking our pleasure because to be honest, I have not been a woman who has done that. I, since before I became aware, conscious, quote unquote, 
I would still be very honest with people and I never desired to lie <laughs> to boost someone's yeah. ego or whatever the reason may be. Um, so have you ever faked an orgasm? What is your experience and what would you like to share surrounding this experience of faking pleasure? Mm, yeah, such a great question. Um, so it's been so long since I've done that, but I imagine I absolutely had times in my life where I did that because um, unlike, right, like I imagine many other listeners, it, I operated for a long time that sex was to please my partner and that the barometer of sex being successful was when my male partner came. And so if that was the barometer for success is that he ejaculates, then I knew that it really, again, knew being in air quotes, I knew that this wasn't supposed to be about me. And if it wasn't supposed to be about me, then that meant my pleasure wasn't a priority. And therefore, if I wanted him to be able to finish, I would either fake an orgasm or just say that I was enjoying it more than I actually was because my focus was on him, him and his pleasure. And it wasn't until I started to unpack that and really take orgasm off the table. I've never been necessarily a person that had a hard time achieving orgasm. And I feel very lucky and grateful um, because I know not all people feel that way. And sometimes there are more challenges to having orgasm. And when I took it off the table, and when I say take it off the table, meaning I stopped using it as this measure of success that if I don't orgasm or he doesn't orgasm, then success can, uh, success can still look like a variety of ways. And the main one being how much pleasure can I just receive in my body? Because I've had some incredible sexual experiences where I didn't have an orgasm and my whole body was just alive and tingling and pulsing with pleasure. Well, and that is a full body orgasm. Isn't yeah, it? Totally. Yes. So also rewriting the definition of orgasm, right? Um, because yeah, if I had used it as like a standard way of it was clitoral, there was a peak and then a clear coming down, then I wouldn't be able to see all these other like really delicious opportunities. Um, and I'll say that is not an easy belief to unpack because I still find myself in experiences like checking in on my partners to see if they feel satisfied and, and if they still want to have an orgasm and it's, it's taken rewiring my nervous system and really just allowing myself to be in the experience and to stop chasing the, did you come? Did you come? Is, are they going to? And um, the best way that I did that was, again, just taking orgasm off the table as the main thing to focus on. Um, and now my sexual experiences have just completely shifted. And, and I also find that when I take that stress of needing to make sure that I orgasm off, I typically end up orgasming multiple times because I'm not chasing it. And it's like anything, it's even if you think about it, um, like when you have forgotten something and it's on the tip of your tongue and the more you focus on trying to remember the further it gets away from you. But the second you forget about it and you just go on about your day and your conversation, it pops back into your awareness. That's almost how I feel about orgasm, that if you keep chasing it and keep trying to achieve it and strive for it and make it this like pinnacle thing on a pedestal, it's probably going to be evasive and further away from you versus if you just allow yourself to be in your body and chase the pleasure, chances are you're going to have a lot more orgasms and a lot more powerful ones doing that. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Bren with the put pleasure first. I love it. <laughs> like focus on the pleasure and not necessarily the orgasm. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful and powerful medicine that I feel so many people can benefit from. And it also feels important to say that it's also okay if you do check in with your partner and ask if they still desire to come 
um, or if you still desire to come, you know, there's transitional periods and everybody has their different experiences, journeys, intentions, desires, past um, and present. And so wherever you are, just know that it's perfectly okay. And the voice that Bren was talking about in the beginning of this episode, that voice inside of you where is that voice coming from as it pertains to your orgasms are you in your head your heart Mm. you know where are you (laughs) basically that's such a great point of yes it's coming from your ego are you trying to make your partner orgasm because you feel better about yourself if you do that's a very different place from there is a delicious man in front of me and I'm going to worship his cock. And in that worshiping of him, I'm so focused on giving him pleasure. And from that place, I'd love to bring him to ejaculation. That is a very different energetic frequency than I'm going to make you come because I'm better and feel better about myself than when I don't. So I love that you brought it back to where is it coming from? Yeah, definitely. Um, so for those who may be listening that presently fake orgasms and they're digesting this information, uh, what advice, what guidance would you give to them right now to help them on their journey? So I run a program called own your orgasm and one of the slides, the, I have everyone raise their right hand and vow from this point on. I promise to never fake an orgasm again and just start oh my God. that commitment to yourself. <laughs> it's funny, but it's also so beautiful. Oh yeah. I love that you have that. Yes, because it's, it's as simple as deciding. You decide in this moment that, yes. and, and I love this decision because I, I talk to my clients a lot about this. There are a lot of ways to rewrite your stories. The story, and when I say stories, the stories that we've inherited from our parents, from society, about sex, about love, about relationships. There's a lot of way to rewrite them. Some of them are, are in our mind and more logical and more analytical. Some of them are more embodied by going into the emotions and pulling roots out. And, and one of the fastest ways to rewrite something is to take action in alignment with your new belief. So if your new belief is that I, uh, so if you're not wanting to fake orgasms, so your new belief is I'm deserving of pleasure. I'm deserving of authentic pleasure, right? So we're not going to anything fake. We're going into real authentic pleasure. And to take alignment with that new belief, your first line of action is to stop faking orgasms right? And to really commit to it and to be authentic in your experience. And so it may bring some stuff up for you. You may feel frustrated. You may feel angry. You may feel sad because you realize you're not connecting to your pleasure as much as you thought you were, or you may see all of the ways in which you've been inauthentic in sex, love, and relationships. This is why sex is the most magical form of personal development, because it shows you all the ways in your life in which you are collapsing and not being most authentic. Sex shows you that in a, in a container, if you will. So if you're collapsing in sex because you're afraid of looking silly or stupid, I imagine that is something that happens outside of your life. And so if we're using the fake orgasm example, if in sex, you're more concerned about your partner or you're more concerned about uh, meeting somebody else's needs versus your own, I imagine that is how that looks outside of your life too. And so by making this bold declaration of not faking an orgasm, you're gonna notice changes in your life other places too because you're being more authentic and more committed to yourself. And that is so powerful. Yes. And it's also a embodiment in real time of authentic pleasure, which is its own form of magical spell, as is sex magic, which Mm. is important to touch on for those who may be drawn here. You know that I'm a magical human. (laughs) So um, (laughs) when we 
orgasm slash fake orgasm or whatever else, there's such powerful life force energy that is being connected and tapped into with powerful manifestation abilities. And so you get to ask yourself, what are you manifesting or what are you pushing away from yourself through the power of your orgasm? Mm. Oh, it's my absolute favorite. It might be my just favorite orgasmic practice is to use that energy towards manifestation and picturing the life that I am cultivating and creating and all sorts of goals and dreams that I have from where I want to live to the king that I'm calling in to the amount of money I want in my bank account, having that in the forefront of my mind while I'm climaxing is just one of my favorite practices for connecting to a more spiritual part of me and, and to the more magical side of life that whether or not you believe it, it's way more fun to think about calling in all of these special unique things while creating pleasure in my body. And I was talking with a friend about this. If you're familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza, he talks about the brain heart coherence all the time. And essentially what you're doing is you're just creating alignment between these different parts of you. And I think orgasmic manifestation is one of the fastest ways to create that coherence because you're taking the vibrant alignment and frequency of pleasure and joy from your whole body while you're also visualizing something that you desire. And that helps to really solidify that manifestation into reality. Um, and I just, yeah, I think it's one of the most fun and uh, playful ways to goal set, if you will. <laughs> feels a lot more fun than just doing it on like a spreadsheet. Yeah, definitely. Something that I have been saying a lot recently is that sex is so healing and it's so fun. Who wouldn't want to heal their trauma or you know, rebuild their life or whatever the fuck through sex. Like totally. so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And it, it stirs stuff up, right? Like mm -hmm. sex moves energy quickly. Mm -hmm. And so rapidly, I, <laughs> yeah, very rapidly. And so I've totally been in the place too, where I feel very resistant to using sex in this capacity. And I will also say, having a partner that can hold you in those experiences in not everyone should be using sex to heal and like have access to um, childhood wounding and traumas if it's not with the right person and partner that's a really big caveat to all of this is having somebody who is emotionally intelligent who can understand and hold you when you're experiencing a wave of emotions um, or at the very minimum, they're just committed to holding you. Um, and even if they don't know what that looks like, you want somebody that is opting in to be in that experience with you, knowing that this may not look like a traditional missionary 15-minute um, sexual experience. This may look a lot different. This may have tears involved. This may have um, a visual come up for you. Like there's just there's a lot in that area that can um, be really healing, but also requires a certain type of maturity and, and person to be able to hold you in that. Yeah, definitely. It feels important to say as someone who has healed and is processing trauma intentionally with my partner through the power of sexual healing that you don't necessarily need a partner or need to do oh, it with yeah. a partner either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like there are times when he isn't emotionally available in the way that I may need him to be. And so I get to hold and support myself because that's, I, I was born with myself. I came in with myself. I'm here with myself right now. And like you are your number one support system always. And it just feels important to, to share that. Yeah. What a beautiful uh, reframe. Thank you. Yeah. 
So for those who are interested in being a part of your own your orgasm experience the next time, those who are willing to take the vow <laughs> to <laughs> not fake orgasms anymore, how <laughs> shall they find you and be a part of this experience? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's usually the best and easiest way to find me. Uh, it's Bryn Marhefka. And um, you can also find me on my website, which is Carly Bryn. Carly is my first name. <laughs> and I, but I go by my middle name. So carlybryn.com is also where you can reach out, learn a bit more about my programs. And um, I'm just so happy to connect with people from all walks of life and from all walks of their sexual development journey. And so slide into my DM, say hello, say that you found me from this podcast and it will be so fun to connect. Yes. And slide into the show notes to <laughs> be directly connected to her Instagram. And before you switch platforms, I invite you to take a quick stop and review my podcast. And it's just been such a pleasure, Brent, to be here with you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your journey. I love everything that has come through in this container. And I absolutely adore you as well. I adore you. Thank you for such a great interview. And thank you for bringing this to so many people. There are going to be so many humans that benefit because of this. So I applaud you. Thank you for being here. It is an honor to share with each and every one of you authentically. Tune in and visit the website authenticallymeradio.com. You are exactly where you are supposed to be, doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing. And you are loved.